Hmm. Have I ever met this person before? Maybe. Somewhere. Hello, and welcome to the Youngin Kotisal podcast, where we are teachers helping teachers. My guests today are the dynamic duo of 2021 IC Chair Michael Free and Co-Chair Lindsay Heron, both well-known and familiar to Cotisal members for their passion and involvement at their local chapters as well as at the national level. To me, they reflect the heart of the Cotisal mantra, teachers helping teachers. Michael brings 15 years of teaching experience in every level of the public school system and now at the post-secondary level. He holds two master's degrees, one in teaching English as a foreign language and another in art. Michael joined Cotisol in 2006, and over the years, his passion and drive have propelled him from attendee to presenter and from regular to executive member. I see which means International Conference, co-chair Lindsay Heron, has been teaching at Guangzhou National University of Education since 2008. She has a master's degree in cinema studies, a master's in education, and is currently completing her doctorate. Besides serving on the conference registration team for nearly a decade, she is chair of the Cotisol Membership Committee and the immediate Cotisol Past President. Welcome, both of you, to the Youngin Cotisol podcast. Hi, thank you very much for that great introduction. Did, did I mess anything up there? Was it accurate? Oh, it's very accurate. Sounds good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it's from the Cotisol website, but I paraphrased a little bit. Actually, before I get started, and just in the because this is an audio, I noticed that. Uh, Michael, you waved. It doesn't count. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> but it's just, a habit. I'm, I'm just, go- I'm just, go- uh, yeah, I'm goofy, and it's, and it's habit. Yeah, I'm trying to make Lindsay laugh. Is which is, yeah. All right. Uh, also, um, <laughs> to make you laugh. To make me laugh. No, it's not hard at all. <laughs> In our preamble, uh, we got it to, we got talking a little bit about where we're from. So, Michael. Uh, you are from Canada. You you were telling me from Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what brought you to Korea? How did you get here? Your origin story. I don't know. If we only, if we only have an hour, I don't know if that's enough time. Um, <laughs> basically, I, I moved through the post-secondary system in, in Canada, in London, Ontario, and then before that, and then after that, Hamilton, Ontario, and then I ended up in Montreal, and I was working as a teacher there, and that didn't didn't quite work out to my satisfaction. And I was sitting with what at the time was quite a bit of student debt. And I said, hey, you know, I really love teaching. And I'm at a point where if I'm going to go somewhere else in the world, now would be the time. So I took out a map and I threw a dart at the map and I hit Korea. That's not. That's not true, actually. Um, I talked to people. I talked to people who had taught taught English in a, a couple of different places. One being Japan, one being Korea, the other being the uh, in in um, in the Middle East. And I decided on Korea mainly because of the food. I was told the food was very meat and potato ish kind of uh, stuff, which is 
not exactly right, but it's, <laughs> it's close enough. It's close enough. So I thought I would give Korea a go. And uh, I signed up and got on a plane and came here and, and ended up in a fishing village of 9,000 people on the northeast corner of, nor- of South Korea, not the northeast corner of North Korea. And the name of that little fishing village? The name of that town was Kojin in, in Gosong-ub. It sounds like it's a really small one because I don't think I've heard of it. Even people from Kangwon, which has been my province all along for my whole 15 years here, they, they don't know where it is. It's, it's pretty small, but it's quite lovely. Gangwon-do is uh, definitely a lovely province. How about you, Lindsay? What, uh, what's your origin story? What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, well, I originally came here for just one year, as we all, I think, do. Right. Um, but I chose Korea specifically because, as you mentioned, I've got a master's degree in cinema studies from New York University Tisch School of the Arts. So my plan was to go to Korea for a year, master the language, master the culture, go back to the United States, get a doctorate in cinema, and become one of the foremost North American experts on Korean cinema. Ooh. Now, you need to remember, right, good idea, right? <laughs> Uh, Now, this is back in 2005, when I uh, actually finished my master's degree. And at the time, nobody was talking about Korean cinema, but I was obsessed with it. So there was actually a really good niche there. I could only find three books about Korean cinema. And now, of course, you know, it's too late. It's it's exploded. It's hugely popular. And even if I were to go back to the United States, right, I would probably be really behind, actually, on all the current trends in Korean cinema and, and you know, the dramas. But uh, when I graduated with my master's degree, I decided I had to get to Korea. So I applied to the Fulbright program and originally came here as a Fulbright English teaching assistant and wow. spent three years on Jeju Island teaching high school boys. Unfortunately, three years Fun. is the maximum time. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh my gosh. Teaching high school boys is amazing. They're they're crazy, <laughs> crazy, but with good hearts. I'm just I'm just going to say that this is an audio recording, but as you said that Michael's eyes did sort of go big. I, I'm not <laughs> quite sure what that means, but looked a little. I taught, I taught middle school boys for one year, and I think mm. that that is probably the hardest, at least for me, that's the hardest gig, middle school boys. And I I understand what she means. I love them. But it's too much. It's too <laughs> much. Th- 20, 22, 23, 24 hours a week, 34, 35, 36 boys in a classroom. <sighs> <laughs> and you love this kind of thing, Lindsay? Well, I think there's a world of difference between middle school boys and high school boys. Mm, Talking yeah. to my friends who are teaching middle school boys, it sounds as if they're still a bit unruly, you know, trying to. Uh, move from being playful elementary school students to, you know, the more serious high school students and living out their best lives as much as they can while also going through puberty. So uh, by the time they hit high school, they were, at least at my high school, they were a little bit calmer, but still very energetic and enthusiastic. And, uh, you know, when they weren't sleeping in class, we we had a great time (laughs) together. Yeah, uh, the the sleeping in class is sort of uh, to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
No, I had a great relationship with those students. And was that an international high school? No, it was uh, Sogipo Boys High School, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, not many people, uh, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, brag about teaching high school uh, boys. It's uh, it's interesting that, that you do. That's great. Well, they should. Teaching high school boys is fun. I'm sure, you know, teaching high school in general is fun. I can't really speak to that. But, you know, they had really good hearts. And yeah, I, there yeah. was it was hilarious. I would laugh every class, even when I taught my troublemakers. And I did have one class that I swear they put all the troublemakers into. Mm. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've got stories. I've got lots of stories. Well, we'll save that for another podcast. Definitely. Lindsay's high school boys stories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's stay focused on the uh, upcoming uh, international conference, uh, which is looming large. So how is, I'll just throw this out to whoever wants to answer first. How is this year's international conference different? Do you want to answer that, Michael? I'll, I'll start. Um <laughs> I think a, a, an easier way to phrase it would be, how isn't it different? Okay. When I signed up to be chair, I knew what I was getting into. And I had a, a team of people, the Cotessel International Conference machine, uh, of which Lindsay was a part. You know, Lindsay's done registration a lot. We, we, knew, mm -hmm. we knew who had to do what at what time. They knew exactly what to do. We knew where everything was. We knew when things were going to happen. And basically, I was more of a guy who was just going to say, okay, we're going to have this kind of theme and we're going to do, we're going to invite this person. But the machinery of it, the, you know, the skeleton and, and the heart and the soul of it was, was already there and had been there for years and years and years. And then COVID thank you, COVID, came along <laughs> and everything changed. And now, you know, we were an, an offline conference. We were a face-to-face -face conference. Now we're an online conference. We were two days, occasionally three days. Now we're, you know, we're spanning it over a week. It's longer than a week. Don't be afraid of that if you're listening, by the way, because it's not as scary as it sounds. We had two plenary speakers. Now we have eight plenary speakers. We had uh, most of the time we had keynote speakers who were inside ELT. And this year we've got a keynote speaker who's going to be super fantastic. Holy jinkies. Awesome. Who's outside of the ELT. It's all different. Uh, we do still have synchronous sessions. We never called them synchronous sessions before because we never had to. Right Now we have to call them synchronous sessions. We also have asynchronous sessions. We've, you know, we've tried to keep the things that make conferences great, like those, co those conversations you have in the hallway, that coffee shop time that you have. And we're trying to figure out a way to replicate that or to translate that into the online world. We've got things that are going to happen where, honestly, it's an experiment in some ways because this is, what are people calling it? Oh, that's right. The new normal, whatever that means. You know, we're in, in some very, very important ways. This is an experiment for, for us and also for people who are doing conferences in ELT and, and whatever. 
all over the world we're, we're trying to figure out this new thing and how we can make it work and how we can leverage it. Um, one thing that we've been able to do that I'm super duper happy that we're able to do is we're able to get people and and get them to be a part of the conference that we otherwise wouldn't have. We've got uh, Paula Rebollejo. I believe I pronounced it right, Paula. I'm really sorry if I didn't. She's from Santiago, Chile. She's going She's going to talk with us. And we couldn't get here, her here otherwise unless we paid a lot of money. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. someone coming in who's going to talk about teaching English to, to young learners. Um, David Valente, from he's in Norway right now. We've got people from the UK. Sofia Mavridi, who I'm really excited about is going to talk. And then we've also got some, you know, some fan favorites. Willie Renanja is going to come back. We've got a couple of people from Japan who are going to come over. So we're trying to keep the good stuff that people like and and really try to get new people that we haven't heard from before. And that also goes with with presenters. We've got uh, our first group of presenters from Italy. I don't think we've ever had an Italian presenter before. We've got a group coming from the Ukraine. We've got panels that are, and this is an organizational nightmare. Oh, I said that out loud, didn't I? <laughs> um, we've got panels that have people from North America and Europe and over here in our own backyard from, from Korea and Japan. And they're all going to interact. And it, it, there's so many possibilities that if we can get the mechanics right, and I think we're doing okay on that front, it's going to be a very different group of people that we're going to see this year, which is awesome. Wow, that just sounds like a mammoth beast you guys are wrestling with. <laughs> Would you like to add anything to that, uh, Lindsay? No, I think Michael has captured it perfectly, actually. And I would like to mention, though, that I've been really impressed with the way he completely reconceptualized the conference, you know, over the past year or so, ever since he was elected to the 20, to the 2020 conference. And uh, then in the face of COVID had to suddenly reimagine everything. And I think he's done an excellent job of it. So I'm, I'm happy to be on board for uh, this very innovative and unique opportunity. Well, so um, how do you think that this, this online version of the International Conference is, is going to move English education and the Cotisal organization itself forward into the future? Lindsay? Lindsay. <laughs> yes, that was for Lindsay. <laughs> I've, well, I've thrown Lindsay I... under the bus there. <laughs> I think there are quite a few different ways that we can look at this. And the first is the way that it's connecting people from literally all over the globe in new ways. I mean, as Michael mentioned, we've got presenters from all over the globe, but I, I as registration chair, have also noticed regular attendees coming from uh, various places that I don't think we've ever had a face-to-face attendee from for either visa reasons or uh, cost reasons. So we have present we have uh, attendees from Greece, Sri Lanka, uh, basically, you know, pretty much every continent. I think we were discussing this earlier, except Antarctica. And uh, honestly, with the internet the way it is, we will, you know, possibly soon be making inroads down there as soon as there are <laughs> educators <laughs> in Antarctica who want some professional development. 
I think this also, uh, so that first of all, opens up some different conversations and different perspectives that we haven't necessarily had in the past, which is a really cool and unique opportunity. But I think also this opens for me as next year's conference chair, some new possibilities for crafting a hybrid kind of conference that can have that same kind of international engagement by including a lot of online events um, and also be more green because, you know, flying to Korea for our conference obviously does terrible things in terms of sure. climate change. So I think that's that's a big part of what I'd like to uh, push professional development toward in the future, too. You know, greener ways of developing. Um, and also, I think it makes it a lot more equitable. And, and, you know, when we look at it in terms of social justice and access, really moving stuff online so that people from different continents and different uh, places can equally access our organization and our connections. I think mm -hmm. those, those are all great ways to benefit the world and teachers and our students. Yeah, def definitely. It sounds great. I'm a question came up in my mind is what is happening to like how do you, what's the difference going to be between the the Cotisol and the international TESOL organization? Are we blurring the lines a little bit there or is that a concern? I don't think we're blurring the lines. I think uh, our international conference has always been international. Um mm. TESOL International actually is, I mean, it's much bigger than we are, obviously. We're one of their affiliates, and we're very happy to be affiliated with them. I think TESOL International does a lot more in terms of organizing all of the affiliates into um, kind of a cohesive arrangement so that they can talk to each other and interact with each other uh, more easily. So we obviously, as CoTESOL, we don't have a lot of affiliates under us. Uh, I, I don't think we're treading on their territory at all. Although we do have a lot of partner organizations that we love to mm -hmm. interact with and look for new opportunities to really uh, mutually benefit each other. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic that Cotisol is is attracting people from all over the world. Uh, it just sort of came to my mind. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's any sort of a border clash potential somewhere down the road. I don't know. Actually, uh, I think there's a lot of cooperation among the TESOL affiliates, the TESOL International affiliates. Um, if you go to their forums, all of the different affiliates will advertise their conferences because they want this kind of international engagement. They want to bring in these new perspectives and these new insights from all over the world. Good to hear. Yeah, there's a lot of, if I can just jump in there, there's yeah. a lot of cooperation. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not particularly territorial, I wouldn't say. And one thing I've noticed is that uh, JALT, our sister organization from across the sea, which sea do you ask? I don't know. <laughs> Over the to the east of us, we're working with them because they did their conf they did their in last international conference online, and they've been very generous with their time and giving us their you know the lessons that they've learned so that we can start off higher up, you know, than we otherwise would. And they've been really great. And uh, Rhea Metituk uh, from Cotesel has, has been doing yeoman's work, cultivating relationships, new relationships, and a new depth of relationship between Jolt and Cotesel. And I don't see anything but positivity coming out of that. 
That is fabulous to hear. Really, really, it's really, really great. That kind of cooperation, not just among TESOL affiliates, but among, you know, our partners who are not necessarily TESOL affiliates, I think it really does give new opportunities for professional development, new ways to approach it and uh, new ways to connect. Absolutely. So this uh, this international conference and being online as much as it is this mammoth beast, it is a really there's a, a lot of positive that's going to come out of it. Is that fair to say? Oh, definitely. I hope so. I, I mean, classrooms were turned into online classrooms, and of course, it was a, a bit of an uphill climb. But I mean, speaking personally, I think I've learned a, a heck of a lot, and I'll take that forward into whatever classes look like in the future. Exactly. Well, one, sorry, Lindsay, I'm. I just I have to jump in there and take advantage of the <laughs> of the moment that uh, that Greg Please. opened up for us there. One of the things that we're doing that we've never done before, because we've never been in this situation before, but also we've never, you know, we've never had the opportunity for is we're going to have a tech expert who's going to be at the conference for five days. And it's not, we're going to have a lot of sessions that deal with online. And a few of our plenaries are going to talk about this online thing because that's where we are. Mm-hmm. But we've got Joe Dale coming in from the UK and this is his thing. This is what he does. We're going to have small group, custom tailored clinics where you get in touch with Joe beforehand and you tell him, look, here's my situation. Here's my context. Here's what I want to be able to do. Help me. Here's what I've tried to do. It didn't work. What's going on? And he's going to help people in a really, you know, in a small, in a small group context to get specific answers to their specific questions so it's it's different than when you're at a conference and you're like, man, that guy, that Joe Dale, he really knows what he's doing. And you're in the hall and you see him and you're like, oh, I'd like to buy him a coffee, but he looks kind of tired. Not that mm-hmm. you look tired, Joe, by the way, but <laughs> you, you wouldn't, you, you know, you wouldn't grab him. But now this is the whole point of his sessions is to is to say is to help people do this. And he's been doing this since way before COVID was a thing. He's been working online. He knows the tech. He knows what the options are. And he can give you a really solid answer to specific questions that you have. We've never had that at this conference before. And now we do. That is perfect. What, what is his name? Joe? So. Joe Dale. D-A-L-E. He's described as a guru. You can find him. Um, we've got a description of him on the website. Well, that sounds great, uh, and 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 really hitting the nail on the head, uh, you know, as to what people on the ground are are interested in uh, and desperate, perhaps in some cases, to to have information on. Let's say that, uh, and I'll I'll throw this over to you, uh, Lindsay. First, let's say that this is my first Cotisol conference. Can you kind of walk me through the registration, the cost, and and you know, sort of what we've kind of talked about what to expect? But if you want to continue with that. Absolutely. So this year's registration process is a little bit different than in the past. In the past, we have people register on the website and then they're set for the conference because it's face to face. So their next job is to come to Korea and go to the conference. This year, people are going to register on our website and transfer the money as they usually would. Then they're going to join our online event space 
And that's where all of the sessions will be occurring. That's where the Zoom links are going to be for the synchronous sessions. That's where the uh, links will be posted for the asynchronous videos. And that's where we'll have links to the poster sessions, which this year are going to be presented on Padlet because oh. Padlet offers the opportunity to kind of creatively engage the viewer uh, as a participant rather than just somebody looking at, you know, a PDF or a poster. So we're hoping that our poster presenters this year will add video links and images and make it a visually dynamic, interactive kind of experience. We're also using Discord because our new event space, uh, which, by the way, we are uh, getting from Jalt, their uh, very own Gary Ross developed it, and oh. we are uh, paying for the right to use it because it was awesome. Uh, so it doesn't have a messaging function right now. So we're actually supplementing with Discord, allowing people to interact on our Discord uh, server so that we have a whole bunch of different channels opened. People can advertise their own sessions. They can have a place for self-promotion if they're doing something ELT-related that's not related to the conference. We've got a thread right now about where people are from so people can start discussing. In the past, we've used Whova for this. Uh, Whova let us have our agenda as well as the messaging function. But I think this combination of technology basically provides everything that we needed and I think it'll be a really interesting experience this year. Now, as far as prices go, we're keeping our prices the same as they were in 2019. So 50,000 won for Cotisol members, 75,000 won for non-members, 65,000 won for groups of five people or more. And that's, of course, per person. Mm -hmm. um, but we are making a couple of changes. And these are all pre-registration prices, by the way. We're obviously don't have face-to-face on-site registration as we used to. The difference is this year we're offering all of our partner organizations the same deal as Cotisol members get. So oh, if you're a member good. of one of our domestic or international partner organizations, you too can register as an attendee for just 50,000 won. Wow, very good. Yeah, I think I think it'll be a really cool experience. So if I'm you know eager to, to know more about Cotisol and to help, how can I get involved, Michael? You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're pretty easy to find. You can uh, message us. You can visit our website at koreatisol.org slash volunteer hyphen opportunities. In addition to us being easy to find, depending on how much you want to do, we'll, we'll work that in. Depending on what you want to do or what you can do, we'll work that in. If you have a skill set that's pre-existing and you want to help out, if you're a Zoom master or a Padlet master, get in touch with us and we'll put you, you know, we'll give you something to do. If you're not, if you don't know about this stuff and you want to learn about it, drop by and we'll put you in a situation that's comfortable for you. We, you know, one of the things that's awesome about Korea TESOL and a, a little bit frustrating sometimes is that we're all volunteer all the time. Whatever whatever you can offer or whatever you want to learn to do, if you just want to come check it out, if you want to see you know what you can do, if you want to broaden your skill set because that's a thing right now that you should want be wanting to do, we're a way that you can do that in a very, you know, safe and comfortable and happy place because we're all pretty nice. 
<laughs> so, you know, come Indeed. down. Just to add, uh, or just to clarify, what we really need right now, as far as I can tell, are more Zoom room hosts. Mm. Uh, so that would be people who are willing to open a Zoom room and be the room moderator, facilitator, and handle all of the tech. Uh, if they sign up for a certain number of hours on the weekends for the concurrent sessions, then we'll give them a registration discount. If they sign up for many hours on the weekends, then we will make them a part of our committee and they'll get in for free because they're going to be working the whole time. So what would qualify someone to be a Zoom master? I, I just assume that all well, I guess I shouldn't assume all, all teachers are using Zoom or a lot of them are using Zoom or some variant of that. If they are teaching live classes, they should be pretty familiar. Is that enough? We, yeah, well, they'd have to be we will have some training, but they would have to be a little bit familiar with Zoom, at least, and some of its affordances. It would be nice if they were on the more comfortable side of the spectrum. However, again, we will have some training for them, too. That'll just walk them through the steps they need to do in order to uh, create room in advance and handle all of the security procedures, record anything they need to record, make sure that the, the conversation is flowing in the chat box and that they're able to take questions from the chat box and convey them to the presenter as needed. So mm -hmm. we've got a little checklist for people set up and some training sessions. So if you kind of know Zoom and want to learn more, that would be a good way to do it. Oh, great if opportunity. If you're very comfortable, to, yeah, absolutely. And if you're very comfortable with Zoom, come do it anyway, just for you know contributing. You can have that satisfaction of helping our nonprofit organization and also for the registration discount. What a great way to kind of, it's a door into Cotisol, you know, just to sort of see what it's like, what people are like. Are they really as nice as Michael says? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of us on the conference committee, Michael was talking earlier about how we were, you know, before we moved online, we were a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is because we have a lot of consistency in the team members. People come back year after year. I've been doing registration since 2012 and I keep coming back to it. And it's not because I like working 40 hours a week from September until mid-October, you mm -hmm. know, just on Cotisol stuff. It's because the people on the committee are so amazing and so interesting and fun to hang out with. And even when we're having very serious meetings, you know, we're all friends. And so it's really nice to see each other and work with each other and stress out together. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic experience. I would echo the same, the same sentiment as an, I'm a newbie to Cotizal. Yeah. I mean, I've been going to Cotizal conferences off and on for years and years, but to, to soon as you sort of take that step in, you find out, whoa, these people aren't scary. It's really a fantastic organization of of great people. It it really is, and and that little step in, what however you get in is uh, well well worth it. I think absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I, I will say the people in Cotisol are my family away from home. Mm. I mean, it's my it's my Korean family here, as well yeah. as my professional community. It's important. Michael's like my big brother. We're, we're all here from an, another country, so it's nice to have family here. Exactly. Family or mm. support network, yeah. along with opportunities to contribute in meaningful, personally meaningful ways and develop your skills in ways that you never expected, even unrelated, I mean, especially unrelated to teaching. Mm -hmm. Get your professional growth in, in other rewarding ways. 
Um, the Cotisal people are so fantastic, and I'm going to sort of segue into my next question, which is why don't we have uh, a Cotisal personality? I don't know who, who would be being the keynote speaker. We've got a futurist. Why not a, a linguist? Why not Noam Chomsky? I did mention that in my yes. <laughs> because he's retired. He's he's getting on a bit too. He's he's still he's still going. Ninety Chomsky, I'll tell you. He's yeah, he's he's still he's still trucking. Um why not a linguist? Well why not an ELT person? I'll I'll grab this one if I can, Lindsay. Um there's a couple of reasons why we ended up with the person we ended up with, uh Gerd Leonhardt who is going to be super duper awesome. One thing which is, which we've heard for several years, not from everybody, not from every attendee, but from a lot of attendees is, hey, you know, let's get somebody from outside of the ELT bubble. Mm -hmm. Let's get someone from outside who can bring some fresh eyes to this, who we haven't seen. I mean, I, I like hanging out with Scott Thornbury. I like chatting with him having a glass of wine. He's awesome. You know, Stephen Krashen, Paul Nation, watching those two, you know, having dinner with them. Fine. Great. But we we wanted to go outside of ELT. That was one thing. And when I went out and I looked, started to look around at speakers, given that we were going to be online, another criteria that I added, criterion that I added, was that this person should be able to do something online and be dynamic and professional online. And Gerd, is a, he's a professional virtual keynote speaker. This is what he does. He's done this since, I think I already said this, but I'll just repeat myself, since way before COVID, this is what he's been doing. So he has the skill set to deliver a presentation online at a very, very high level, professional level. And he's going to custom tailor this to us. This is not somebody who we pay a bunch of money to and he comes in and does a stock talk, you know, and then goes to the next city. He's not on a world tour. He's going to work with us. We're out, we're asking people and people listening to this podcast can email me and tell me, what are you worried about in terms of the future? What are you thinking about? What's your concern? And he's going to put that into his quite large, experienced brain and develop a talk that gets us thinking about what's going to happen in the next 10 or 15 years. Not, not in the sense of that he's guessing, because he's not guessing. He's mm -hmm. extrapolating and projecting and, and dealing with trends. This is what he does. And he's going to take some of those things because he can't tell us everything that's going to happen. He's going to take the things that, he, you know, that he thinks and we think are of most import to educators and then more narrowly language educators. And he's going to give us stuff to think about. He's not going to give us the answers. He's going to give us some questions that we can think about over that next week. And like, that's what, that's what I want to see happen is people talking about this, you know, are we going to be replaced by robots? Well, maybe <laughs> are, you know, are our jobs secure yet? Yeah, not, not so much. So what do we do? What do we do about that? And he has some answers and I'm not going to tell you anyone what they are. Well, you're saying he's not, he's not psychic. 
Yeah, he's he's not psychic. I mean, unless he thinks he is. I don't. I've talked to him. Uh, I, I don't. I don't get that sense from him that he thinks he's psychic. <laughs> but you know, he he's going to be able to tell us with a certain degree of certainty, notwithstanding the fact that the future is all hypothetical. He's going to tell us what's going to go down in the next ten or fifteen years and what we're going to have to deal with. And I think the very, very important difference here is that we have panels and we have discussions and we talk about what the future is going to be like at conferences all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you always get this, oh, well, what's going to happen next year? Or what's the future going to be like? And we kind of end up with, a, well, it's all going to be fine and quite optimistic. That's kind of Lindsay's, you know, Lindsay tends to be pretty optimistic. <laughs> On the other hand, I'm like, well, we're all doomed. <laughs> and it's going to be, we're, we're done for, and it's going to be horrible. You know, we need to find some kind of middle ground in there, I guess, to, to try to, to see how to, how to negotiate the future. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, a lot of the plenary speakers that we have are going to talk about what's happening in the future, you know, with tech, with online teaching. We've got one speaker, Dorothy, who is super duper awesome, who's going to talk about, you know, how do we how do we evaluate what we're worth professionally, financially? Um, we've got uh, another person, David Barker from Japan, who's going to say, "Whoa, let's slow down and remember that there there's a lot that's going to change, but there are some things that are going to stay the same." There's a lot to think about. Really, and it really is a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's exciting. It is terribly exciting, and I, I I get now. I mean, you really did answer my question very well. I do get why you have a futurist. <laughs> and not and not a linguist and and yeah and if people have been asking about uh, someone from outside of the uh, the ESL EFL world, yeah, I think you've you've probably uh, made a wise decision there. If I may jump on the end of that, actually, um, I will say I think there are a lot of issues that underpin education as a whole that we as educators, not just linguists that we as educators should take into account to improve ourselves and improve our, not just teaching, but uh, research, our relationship with our students. I mean, very little of what we do is related to linguistics, honestly. And frankly, I hate linguistics. I think it's terrible. My doctorate is going to be in literacy, culture, and language education for a reason. (laughs) Um, But actually, and I I do want to get a little... uh, preview out there i think next year's conference also will not have a linguist as the keynote speaker so no noam chomsky no no noam chomsky um (laughs) next year's conference i think the theme is going to be more than words teaching for a better world so i think the emphasis there will be on uh keynotes and plenary speakers who can address the idea of why we teach. If we're not there to improve the world, if we're not teaching to improve our students' lives, then why are we in the classroom? So I really want to get that kind of approach. And I think it applies to every teacher in every field, uh, no matter what level it is, how to improve your life as a teacher, how to improve your students' lives, and how to improve the world as a whole. So I, I really think that we need to start looking outside of these narrow spheres towards what we can learn from other areas of education. 
Wow. Folks, you got the uh, the the jump on next year's conference here first. <laughs> I just want to say that <laughs> on the, the Young and Cotisol podcast. <laughs> Wow, you're you're you are passionate uh, about your <laughs> your stuff. That is great. <laughs> Ask me about movies sometime. <laughs> okay, well, n- not in this one. Next, next time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we're getting down to the last few minutes. So, um, if you had one hour of free time, you know, during the conference, one hour during the daytime when you could just sort of go to a plenary, a talk, anything, where would you where would you spend that hour? Um, Michael, that's. I mean, I'm look. I'm looking at the schedule. You can't say lying on a couch somewhere. <laughs> well, I was gonna. I mean, what I was gonna say was having coffee with my wife. That's sweet. But I can't. I can't really say that. I mean, there's. And this is gonna sound completely hokey coming from the guy who, of course, wants everybody to sign up immediately to come to the conference. <laughs> you know, there's there's gonna be so much that's going on that. You know, at any given day, there's so much happening, you know, on the opening on the opening night. I mean, we don't even have any concurrent sessions and I'm already conflicted. The opening keynote by Gerd Leonhard is going to be awesome. But the opening night panel that we have after that is also going to be extraordinarily interesting. We've Mm -hmm. got a couple of people who are very, very embedded in in Korea who have been here for a, a very long time. I won't say how long. Um, Kyung Suk Young from Suk Myung Yote from Suk Myung Women's University, John Endicott from Wusong University, who bring decades and decades of experience. They're going to give us their thoughts on the future. We're bringing back uh, an old an old favorite, Stafford Lumsden from uh, he's in Australia now. He's going to talk. He's been doing a lot of work with online teaching. He's going to give us his thoughts on the future. We're bringing over Lisa Huntsberger from Japan. She's going to talk about what she thinks is going to happen in the future. And we've got a student Mm. who's going to be part of the opening panel, which I think has never, ever been done before. Sydney Fortowski, who's going to give us her thoughts on, you know, what's going to happen? What do we want to have happen? And this, I think, is going to prime people to think about their own situation. What are you worried about? What do you want to happen? What are you going to do about it? What can you learn, you know, in the following days? What can you take back and just, you know, really get people, get people thinking? That's what I would do. So I've already not answered your question properly by saying you'd have to do two hours. You know, there's stuff every day that's going to be good. The plenary, we have a plenary almost every day. We have chapter and special interest group sessions that are that are crafted by and organized by those sections of Korea TESOL, which we've never had before. Those are going to be awesome. So if you're interested in reflective practice, you can go and, and work with uh, Brian on that. Uh, if you're into diversity, I think that's your panel, isn't it? Lindsay, Lindsay, you can join the diversity panel. Maybe it's not Lindsay. Maybe it's another Lindsay. I don't know. There's so, so many names running around in my head. Pretty sure uh, the plenaries are great. The panels are going to be awesome. We talked about the, the challenge of, of being greener, uh, ELT being greener, the world being greener. We have an invited panel on that. We have an invited panel on native speakerism, which is kind of my, my baby or one of my babies, I guess, which is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, chock full of good people with the exception of yours truly. 
If you want to take a deep dive into tech, we've got the entire BC Asia East Asia assessment team. They're going to talk about tech and and oh. what's going to happen in language assessment. I mean, it's all it's all over the place. And I mean, we've got Joe Dale, which we already talked about. We've got um, Ebo Young is coming back, and she's going to talk about the mom factor in ELT. Uh, specifically with regards to Korea, which is a special case, but you get that mom factor everywhere. You do, Really what you need to do is you need to look at the schedule and you type in, you know, and you, you use the filters the way you want to, and you're going to come up with a lot of stuff. You're going to be really hard pressed to get just one hour a day. I should have, I should have said two. Even if you do just get one hour a lot of this, a lot of these presentations are going to be recorded and they're going to be available to access for the attendees during during the conference. So if you miss something, you can go back for not for everything, but for a lot of things, you can go back and watch it or, and listen to it at your at your convenience. And that's the those will be recorded. And then you say just available during the conference time and then they'll kind of disappear. I think what we're going to do is there will be a certain amount of content that we will eventually put up on the Cotessel YouTube channel, mm-hmm. but we're not going to put everything up because, uh, and how do I, how do I phrase this politely? Um, because otherwise, if we just gave it all away, yeah. no one would, no one would pay for it. <laughs> and we kind of need you. We kind of need some people to pay for it so that we can keep doing this kind of thing. Right. Right. Thank you very, very much. Um, Lindsay. You've got an hour to spend one of these days. What, what do you do with it? Honestly, the, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I'm really looking forward to. I think Michael hit on most of it. But I have to admit, I am most curious about Gerd Leonhard, our uh, keynote speaker, because as I mentioned, I love getting ideas from other perspectives and other uh, areas, maybe not even related to education. I love reading the Horizon Report each each year when it comes out. You know, it's a panel of experts talking about technology and education. So I'm really, really curious where he sees the future going and how that meshes with education and what we as educators are doing. So I, I'm very curious about his presentation, and I think it'll be very dynamic based on what I've seen of him online. Well, I feel like I have hit gold having you two here <laughs> together and uh, and taking you know time away from from your obviously busy schedules. And thank you for sharing your insights and your opinions so much. So uh, thank you uh, very much, uh, Lindsay Heron and Michael Free, and uh, we'll see you at the international conference being held February nineteenth to twenty eighth. Great. Thank you so much for having us. And everybody, please register by February 10th. After that, you can still register through the event space, but there are no discounts possible. And volunteer for something like be a Zoom master. Yeah, absolutely. Be a Zoom room host. It'll be easy. We'll teach you how and you can get a, a registration discount. Very good. Very good. Any final words, Michael? Join us, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will be fun. And if y'all come, please stop by some of the social events we have as well, because we'd love to see you, you know, face-to-face-ish or participate in Discord because I really miss talking to people. 
This podcast presentation has been brought to you by the Youngin Gyeonggi chapter of Kotisal, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting scholarship, dissemination of information, and facilitating cross-cultural understanding of teaching and learning English in Korea. Thank you for listening. Thank you.